0: Hello and welcome to Filled with Messages. Thanks for joining me today. I'm Ruth Farrell and amongst other things I'm the lead pastor of St. Peter United Church of Christ in Lake Zurich. Last week I read an article listing 16 of the craziest places Americans said they've snuck a nap. Clearly this article was hardcore journalism. Here's the list for you. Abandoned part of a chemical plant. It's rather specific, isn't it? Driver's turret of a tank. Uh, this one's a little gross. On a toilet in a grocery store bathroom. Okay. Standing up in the subway, inside an MRI machine, in a coal mine, in a tanning bed. The next one is just a little crazy. Um, in a potato barrel. I have lots of questions about that. Uh, in a drive-thru waiting for food. Oh, the next one's disgusting. So sorry. On the floor of the bathroom at work. Whoa. In the trunk of a car, I'm sort of assuming that that's between a million kids' soccer games on a Saturday. Um, On a ski lift going up the mountain, that seems quite dangerous. I don't know that I would be comfortable snoozing there. On horseback, on the lawn, I like the sound of that one. At a funeral, uh, grief and uncomfortable feelings can often cause us to shut down and fall asleep, so that makes sense. And last but not least, while driving a mail truck. In today's scripture text, Jesus takes a nap on a boat. In doing so, he shows us one of the ways God invites us to wade through life's storms and stressors. Hear these words from Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. One day he got into a boat with his disciples and said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they put out, and while they were sailing, he fell asleep. A windstorm swept down on the lake, and the boat was filling with water, And they were in danger. They went to him and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we are perishing. And waking up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. They ceased, and there was a calm. Then he said to them, Where is your faith? They were terrified and amazed and said to one another, Who is this then that he commands even the winds and the water? And they obey him. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, open our hearts, our minds, our bodies to receive your good news for us today. I pray these things in your name. Amen. The story about Jesus's nap appears both in Luke's gospel and in Mark's gospel. In Mark's gospel, we learn a few more details about what happened. For example, this incident took place at night. It was unusual in Jesus's day to take a nighttime boat journey across a lake. Although many of Jesus' disciples were expert fishermen, it was still significantly more dangerous to cross a lake at night. I wonder if any of the disciples hesitated before getting in the boat with Jesus. Did they raise an eyebrow when he said they were going to cross then and there? Did any of them ask if he was sure about this plan? Jesus doesn't appear to have shared why he needed to take the journey at that very moment. I wonder if that also made it harder for the disciples We're often willing to take bigger risks if there's a good reason to do so. It's easier to cross the metaphorical nighttime waters of our lives when we feel like it will lead us to something worthwhile. But Jesus didn't give that information to his followers this time. They had to go with him, trusting that he had good reasons. As soon as the disciples put out into the lake, Jesus fell asleep. In Mark's gospel, we learn that he lay down on a cushion to nap. Isn't that a great little detail? Likely the boat was an ordinary fishing boat. In 1986, archaeologists discovered a first century fishing boat on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. The first century was, of course, the time frame in which Jesus was hanging out on the shores of Galilee, which is where this story occurs. So we can sort of surmise that the boat Jesus was in that night was similar. Not the same one, just a similar one. The boat archaeologists found is 27 feet long and 7 point feet wide. Take a moment and imagine Jesus laying down in a boat with his head on a pillow, snoring lightly as they crossed the lake. As Jesus snatched 40 winks, a storm swept down on the lake and the boat. Storms, even bad storms, were not uncommon on the Sea of Galilee. Here's my best weatherman description of why that is. The lake is in a basin surrounded by mountains. Cool air is drawn down through the narrow mountain passages, which clashes with the hot, humid air hovering over the lake, which creates fierce storms. Since many of Jesus' disciples were fishermen on that very lake, they knew what Sea of Galilee storms felt like and how to navigate them. They knew which ones were eh, just little storms and which ones were life-threatening storms. So when we read that the disciples were freaking out about the storm they were experiencing that night, we know they were not overreacting. They knew in their bones, because their families had been fishing on that lake for generations, that this was a very bad storm. They knew they were likely to lose their lives. Their panic was justified. But Jesus continued his siesta, oblivious to the danger they were all facing. How Jesus managed to keep sleeping with the boat rocking and filling with water and lightning and thunder crashing around is beyond me. But somehow he did. Frantic, the disciples roused him, shouting above the cacophony of the storm, "'Master, Master, we are perishing!' That sounds awfully formal in English, but there's no great English word to convey what the disciples were saying, thinking, feeling. The Greek word means to be utterly destroyed, to be violently perishing. This was not a pleasant way to go. The disciples knew without a shadow of a doubt, again because they had the experience that told them what was happening. They knew they were in the process of being drowned. Their deaths were going to be ugly, painful, violent. Their terror was understandable and right. Jesus woke up, rebuked the storm, and finally there was calm. While calm came immediately to the natural elements which had been so churned up, I suspect it took a few more minutes for calm to come to the disciples' heart rates. When calm for all was restored, Jesus turned to the disciples and said, Where is your faith? While Jesus rebuked the storm strongly, his tone is not the same with the disciples. It's gentler. It almost feels like a rhetorical question, one for them to mull over and puzzle through. It can almost seem a little unfair that Jesus asked the disciples where their faith was when they were right to be terrified of this particular storm. But since Jesus wasn't scolding them for their lack of faith, maybe he was nudging them to hold both their fear and their faith together when they faced life's storms. So often when we're in the middle of a storm, fear takes over. It drowns out everything else. In particular, when we're super stressed, our faith often takes a backseat to our anxiety and panic. Jesus was inviting his disciples and us to a better way of managing life storms. When we're stressed and running on empty and trying to wade through all the complexity of a, sto- of a storm, let's be like Jesus and take a nap. Not all of us are great nappers, but don't check out if you fall into that category. Give me a second to clarify what napping like Jesus is. A nap is an act of faith. It's a way of surrendering control. It's a way of saying, God, I cannot manage this storm no matter how hard I try. So I'm going to trust you with it for a moment while I rest. Jesus is napped and lasts forever. And so when we nap like Jesus, it is not a way of checking out of our responsibilities for a long time. It's a brief letting go. Napping also isn't a fatalistic way of saying, "k, sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. Jesus didn't model a passive way of living or a passive faith, but an active one. Jesus modeled napping as an act of faith. It's an intentional choice to let go for a few moments and rest in God's love and care for us. For those non-nappers, napping like Jesus doesn't require us to literally fall asleep. But I do think it requires us to put away screens and noise, even reading materials. Yes, even devotionals and spiritual reading materials because they can be very loud some days, friends. I'd suggest that perhaps being in nature is the best way to metaphorically nap like Jesus. Take a quiet walk by yourself to a secluded place without listening to anything else other than God's lullaby and the song of the wind or the birds. If you can't take a walk outside, sit on your patio or by a window, ideally an open one, and rest in God's love for you and this world. There will likely be moments in life when it will feel impossible to nap, to let go even for just a few minutes in the storm. Jesus will never rebuke you when you cannot let go and nap. Jesus did not abandon the disciples in the storm, and neither will he abandon you. He will keep lovingly asking you to trust him, to lay down your burdens for a few minutes and rest in him. He will continue to gently invite you to take a nap and let him fend off the storm for a little while. So go and take a nap, my friends. And as you do, may you rest in God's peace knowing that God's face is shining on you and that God is surrounding you with love, especially when you are facing life's great storms. Grace and peace to you, dear friends. Take good care.